This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, October 7th, 2021. I'm Kyle Kellams. This is your public radio station, KUAF, and you can listen to us anywhere, anytime with the free KUAF app. Ahead this afternoon, a new study led by a researcher at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences indicates women with conditions such as trauma or stress-related issues are 50% more likely to have severe challenges with labor and or delivery. We'll talk with Dr. Claire Brown of UAMS about this research in about three and a half minutes. Numbers connected to COVID-19 in Arkansas continue to decrease. The Arkansas Department of Health yesterday counted 882 new cases and six additional deaths from the disease. Arkansas hospitals report 20 fewer virus patients in the most recent 24 hours. There are now 624, with 173 patients requiring ventilation. That's 15 fewer ventilators in use than this time yesterday. And active cases dropped by another 217 in the last 24 hours, now fewer than 8,000 active cases in the state. Arkansas lawmakers did not advance a proposal that would split Pulaski County into three separate U.S. congressional districts. Senate Bill 743 by Republican Senator Jane English of North Little Rock ultimately did not pass yesterday in the full Senate. The proposal would divide Pulaski County among the first, second, and fourth congressional districts, while the county currently is entirely in the second district. Though the redistricting proposal failed in the Senate, the vote was expunged, meaning it could come up for a vote again. Governor Asa Hutchinson told reporters this week he does not support any redistricting proposals that dilute minority districts. Fayetteville's Parks will be under the direction of Allison Jumper soon. The city announced yesterday she'll be the next director of Parks, Natural Resources, and Cultural Affairs. She'll follow long-term City Parks Director Connie Edmonston, who retired in July. Allison Jumper worked for the city as a park planner and park planning superintendent before leaving for a job with Runway Group three years ago. She'll start the new job November 8th. Bella Vista residents will be able to pick up trees for planting later this month. The city will host a drive through tree giveaway Thursday, October 28th, in the parking lot of the city's community development office on Lancashire Boulevard. The trees are provided through a grant from the Walton Family Foundation as part of a larger regional project to increase and diversify the region's tree canopy. Benville drivers are used to street work, and there's more to come. The city will begin nightly full closings of Southeast Moberly Lane from 14th to 8th Streets beginning Monday night. The closure for infrastructure related to new development is from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and will be in effect through December 6th. And Fayetteville will host first Thursday tonight on the square from 5 to 9.30. October's theme, light, with a light installation by artist John Ostermuller that will be displayed in downtown. And the now seventh-ranked Arkansas soccer team hosts Alabama tonight at 6. The match will be shown nationally on the SEC Network. The Razorbacks are on a nine-game winning streak, the longest in program history. The John Brown University soccer teams are home today as well, hosting Southwestern AG for afternoon matches at 1 and 3 in Siloam Springs. This is Ozarks at Large. A new study led by Dr. Claire Brown, an assistant professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, shows women with mental health disorders are far more likely, about 50% more likely, to experience a severe clinical condition while giving birth. That's compared to women without a mental health disorder. And on average, 
pay more than $450 in additional costs per delivery. Yesterday, we reached Dr. Brown, who conducted the research in association with colleagues at the Institute for Medicaid Innovation in Washington, D.C., and asked her about the study. She says her research revolves around understanding different characteristics that are related to adverse outcomes like low birth weight or adverse maternal outcomes. And we are well aware of the relationship between having physical clinical comorbidities and how those impact the outcomes of things like hypertension, diabetes. But what we're gaining understanding of is how important mental health conditions are on those outcomes as well. And it's understood that there are relationships between having um, various mental health um, conditions and adverse outcomes, but the specific relationships between different types of mental health conditions and some of the costs associated with those are something that um, is less studied, and so that's something that we thought would be important to look into. And I guess a little more broadly speaking, there was a call for papers related specifically to perinatal mental health conditions and, and perinatal outcomes. And so that's kind of what spurred the, the discussion of, yes, let's go forward with this particular analysis when we had already done several studies related to um, racial disparities and payer-related disparities among um, women with different characteristics and severe maternal outcomes. And, and what the study says um, is that women with mental health disorders are 50% more likely to experience a severe clinical condition while giving birth compared to women without a mental health disorder. 50%, to me, a layperson, that's a big number. It's a big number to those of us who, who do the analytics as well. And I think, you know, we, we somewhat anticipated that, that we would see a, a difference, particularly for cost, which was another study, uh, another study outcome. But I don't think that we anticipated seeing such a large difference with respect to um, what we call severe maternal morbidity, which includes 21 different factors that the CDC classified as severe maternal morbidity, and that's kind of the algorithm that we run to determine if, if a woman had an adverse maternal event. And um, yes, we were very surprised that, that those numbers were so different as well. And, and the disparity um, was even larger for women who had a trauma or stressor-related condition, which was actually 87% higher. And so there's the, the medical concerns here as well as financial concerns. Um, it and I guess if you think this through, this sort of makes sense, but there's a higher uh, financial burden for women with mental health disorders uh, per birth compared to those without. And I guess that is because those, those clinical problems can translate into more money in the hospital? Sure. And, I mean, you're, you're spot on that, I mean, theoretically, if, an individual has some type of clinical condition, it's going to likely increase the cost of whatever type of healthcare service they're receiving. So we anticipated that there would be higher costs among those with this extra condition, in this case, a mental health condition. Um, and so we are, it's likely that part of that cost may be related to the mental health condition itself, but also part of the increased cost is related to the fact that those women did have higher rates of these kind of severe clinical outcomes, which are certainly costly. So they can include things anywhere from mechanical ventilation to having a um, blood clot in the lungs. So when you have one of those kind of severe clinical outcomes, it can, it can be very costly, certainly. 
And so knowledge, of course, is power. We, we know this, this study tells us this. So part of, I guess, what we should do as a society is, you know, be better at identifying mental health challenges so that these uh, matters can be dealt with throughout a pregnancy or perhaps even before a pregnancy? Exactly. Ideally, both. I mean, ideally, you're able to identify a mental health condition throughout a woman's life, whether it be between pregnancies, before pregnancy, during or after pregnancy, or for for women who, who aren't even of childbearing age. But the idea is, yes, if you identify them early and are able to mitigate any challenges that may be related to having a mental health condition, you may be able to prevent subsequent adverse um, outcomes. And one of the kind of findings from our study or something that, that we felt was particularly important is is the the outcomes related to the trauma or stressor-related disorders. So we're certainly gaining more understanding of the importance of screening for depression and screening for anxiety because we understand that those things are highly related to adverse outcomes. And something that we feel is additionally important is screening for some of these other mental health conditions that also are related to adverse outcomes for the mother. And there's these things called safety bundles, which are kind of these toolkits with um, things to um, tools to screen for these conditions and, and resources that you can provide to the mother or uh, her family in order to help deal with some of these conditions and, and the characteristics and outcomes related to these conditions. And ideally, we would have these safety bundles for other clinical um, conditions, specifically other mental health conditions, such as the trauma-related or stressor-related disorders. Yeah, and I guess broadening out from just this study, it indicates that, uh, you know, attention to mental health conditions is just important no matter where a person is in life. I mean, this just kind of reinforces that. Certainly, and I mean, I, I think part of the challenge is there's a lot of stigma and discrimination and challenges just simply talking about the fact that you may have a mental health condition, whether it be with your OBGYN or primary care physician in the case of this study or your family or peers. And so I think the more that we recognize the impact of mental health conditions and kind of normalize it, it's, it's something that, that, that's common among individuals, the more likely that someone's going to be open to talk about that, the more likely that providers feel comfortable talking about that with their patients, again, whether it be kind of in the perinatal atmosphere or not, the, the better able, the better we will be able to identify and treat those conditions as early as possible. Were you able to tell at all whether some of the stress that could be related is whether someone can afford their medical care? Is that, was that a factor at all? So we did look at this particular study, we were um, able to stratify the outcomes by payer, so specifically Medicaid and private insurance. There's obviously relatively few women who have Medicare coverage, as that's primarily for individuals who are 65 and older, although there is a small percent of women, particularly those with disabilities. But in this particular study, we were only able to stratify by private and Medicaid covered deliveries. And we did see higher rates of many of the mental health conditions among women with Medicaid coverage. So as you know, Arkansas expanded Medicaid under the under the private option, which has certainly allowed women to have um, improved continuity of coverage. So they're more likely to have insurance coverage throughout their kind of childbearing years rather than only once they become pregnant, which 
prior to Medicaid expansion, there were many women who were not eligible for Medicaid until they were pregnant. Um, so that's something that's really important is having insurance coverage prior to pregnancy so that you can identify both the physical and mental health and behavioral conditions prior to pregnancy so that you can treat them. I don't know that we can really draw causal conclusions from this particular um, study, but I think certainly that there are many stressors that can cause um, you to have or that can increase your likelihood of having mental health conditions, something we would have loved to study, but we unfortunately couldn't just because of small sample sizes in some of the mental health conditions. But we are um, under the impression, just given the rates of the trauma or stress-related disorders among black women, that it's likely that various social stressors and the compounding of different um, barriers to care and you know, stigma and discrimination, that those likely um, compound together and increase the probability that a black woman has a trauma or stress-related disorder. And so that's something that I'm very passionate about. We weren't able to look at it for this particular study, again, just because of data limitations. But theoretically, women who face um, either structural or realized racism are more likely to have um, traumatic events in their lives, which could ultimately impact you know, their health as well as the health of their infant. Dr. Claire Brown is an assistant professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Her research, conducted in collaboration with colleagues at the Institute for Medicaid Innovation in Washington, D.C., will be published in the peer-reviewed journal Health Affairs. We spoke yesterday. I'm Scott Tong. Asian-American bakers are melding ingredients from their heritage with traditional American and European pastries. We sample the mochi muffin. Having them come into our bakery and eating our food and reading our story, it changes people's minds and hearts. Tasty conversation next time in Here and Now. Here and Now begins in about 40 minutes on KUAF at 1 o'clock right after Ozarks at Large. The Northwest Arkansas Crisis Stabilization Unit is reopening in Washington County under management from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. The Fayetteville-based clinic, an alternative to jail for those with mental health issues, closed in June due to budget cuts. That's according to the site's previous manager's Ozark guidance. Dr. Lisa Evans with UAMS says the unit is a crucial resource in preventing unnecessary incarceration and providing mental health assistance to those who need it. So when the Fayetteville unit closed, we really wanted to make sure that it got reopened. Um, it's important to have a network of these units across the state to continue to build a program that will help reduce incarceration of people with behavioral health and substance use conditions. So we just really believe in the mission of trying to help treat instead of incarcerate the 16-bed facility began as a pilot program in 2019 as part of a statewide initiative from Governor Asa Hutchinson to address behavioral health treatment. Dr. Evans says the center will offer the same services as before. Um, so it will be very similar. Um, we also, you know, will have to be accredited by the same bodies, including the state that accredits acute crisis units, as well as CARF, which is like a national accrediting body. So we'll be under those same standards and regulations, so it will be very similar. Dr. Evans says the unit will be available as a community resource for anyone seeking help with substance abuse or mental health needs. We would rather have people get treatment and help for chemical dependency and behavioral health issues before they ever encounter law enforcement. So having community members and 
family members and local organizations and advocacy organizations know about the unit and know how to access the unit is critical. So you can call and come to the unit and somebody will be admitted in, in five or 10 minutes. So we really reduce all the barriers to treatment. You don't have to sit in the ER for hours. You don't have to go through a long application process. You just show up and get help. Dr. Evans says the shortage of medical staff because of the COVID-19 pandemic has been a challenge in reopening the Fayetteville Clinic. It takes time in this climate to hire nurses, physicians, um, social workers. They're in high demand. So that's going to be our rate limiting factor is getting people, you know, hired, recruiting and oriented and credentialed. So, you know, there's that takes a little bit of time. UAMS has not yet set a date for the unit to reopen. Ozarks at Large is underwritten in part by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College in Conway. Founded in 1876, Hendricks is recognized by education author Lauren Pope as one of 40 colleges that change lives and is nationally recognized for academic excellence, engaged learning, innovation, and more among private liberal arts colleges. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more information. Do you know somebody, probably a younger somebody, who would really like to see a fire engine up close and meet a firefighter? Well, Bentonville Public Library is hosting an event connected to Fire Prevention Week tomorrow morning at 1030. The library staff will present a few stories and a few songs. Real-life firefighters will be on hand with fire prevention tips. You can learn more about all the events that take place at the Bentonville Public Library at bentonvillelibrary.org. Or do you know somebody, really of any age, who really wants to see a bald eagle? Well, Hob State Park is readying another season of Eagle Watch cruises on Beaver Lake. The best time to see bald eagles in northwest Arkansas is when they are migrating through our area, roughly November through February. First tour is November 6th. There are then roughly three dozen other chances. Tickets, $15 for adults, $7.50 for children 6 to 12. Must be purchased in advance. For more information, call Hobbs State Park and Rogers at 789 5,000. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. Today we're going to play for you some bipartisan analysis to the latest talk business and politics Hendricks College poll. Robert Kuhn, who's the managing partner with Impact Management Group, which works with Republican political candidates, and Dr. Jay Barth, Emeritus Professor of Politics at Hendricks College and active in Democratic Party politics, We'll discuss some of the findings with Roby Brock. But first, though, a big headline over at NWABusinessJournal.com announced late last week by one of the state's largest banks, Arvest Bank, which says it has deals in place to sell 16 of its branches in its four-state footprint of Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. Arkansas Bank's Cross County Bank, Farmers Bank and Trust Company, FNBC Bank and Generations Bank, and an Oklahoma-based bank, RCB Bank, are the buyers. Those deals are expected to close over the next several months. Now, earlier this year, you may recall, Arvest said it would close 31 branches in its four-state footprint by this summer. And when you combine that plan with these deals to sell another 16 branches, the company will have decreased its brick-and-mortar branch count from just over 270 at the start of the year to 229. Now, we've got more details about that story over on our website. You can check it out at nwabusinessjournal.com. 
We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Over the past week or so, over at our sister website, talkbusiness.net, we've had several stories with results from the latest Talk Business and Politics Hendricks College poll. We surveyed more than 900 likely Arkansas voters in late September for their opinions on various subjects, including job approval for both President Biden and Governor Hutchinson, as well as the Arkansas State Legislature, what they think about vaccine requirements and mask mandates, and if they would support eliminating Arkansas's personal income tax. For some bipartisan analysis of those polls, Roby Brock spoke recently with Dr. Jay Barth of Hendricks College and Robert Kuhn with Impact Management Group. And we've got some of that discussion for you today. Take a listen. And I want to go first with uh, Governor Hutchinson's job approval numbers, as well as the legislature's job approval numbers. He's more popular than them. Is that a surprise, Robert? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you got a couple of factors there. I think uh, the governor has been um, in office for a while. His numbers have always been uh, very strong, usually between the high 50s and, and low to mid 60s, uh, occasionally higher. Um, you know, he's well known, well established. There's not very many people, less than 2% of, of the ones we surveyed that don't know who he is. And so people kind of have their opinions there. The legislature is a little different just because they deal with so many issues. Um, you know, there's there's a little bit of something there for everybody to like and a little bit of something for everybody to not like. And so uh, probably more of a mixed bag in general of what what people are familiar with coming out of the legislature. Jay, for your political party, the Democrats, uh, this this week's three day legislative session may may result in those numbers coming down a little bit in the legislature. What do you make of the dichotomy between Governor Hutchinson and the legislature? And why do you think he's more? Uh, I guess why he has a higher job approval than them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Arkansans tend to to like their pragmatic governors, and I think that he is is very much that. Um, we had seen in May that that Governor Hutchinson's numbers had dipped a bit. Uh, we've really seen a, a a bit of an improvement this time, um, and the bulk of the improvement is with Republican uh, voters. Uh, he was he was uh, there was a lot of lukewarmness uh, to the governor after that very conflictual legislative session in the spring. But he has had a comeback uh, uh, with those voters in particular. And he's still very solid with Democrats uh, and, and very solid with independents. Um, the legislature has actually had a, is in a little bit better shape than they were uh, back in the spring. Uh, they, this, of course, was done before the the most current uh, special session or the continuation of the regular session, excuse me. Um, but uh, 
but they had had a failed special session, uh, of course, just before school started as they considered mass mandate uh, alterations. Um, and uh, but they've they're 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 kind of blah with the electorate, and I think that's kind of um, Democrats. Uh, particularly hostile to the legislature. And we see some subgroups of voters, especially younger voters, voters of color and, and, um, and, and, and some other voters who are really pretty negative to the legislature. So they are a more polarized group uh, of, of, for voters. Uh, the governor is anything but polarized. He is, he is solid across the board. The poll results also indicate that 54% of Arkansas voters would support eliminating the state personal income tax, even if it meant increasing other taxes or cutting state services. Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, who's a Republican candidate for Arkansas governor next year, said she wants to push a ballot initiative to eliminate the state income tax by 2030. Jay, I'll give you the first word on this one, and Robert, I'll give you the last word. Um, is this good public policy? What are we seeing in these numbers to, uh, to perhaps affect something that could be a major impact on the state budget? Yeah, it could be a huge monster impact on the state budget. Um, the, uh, um, what's, uh, you can look at this either, you know, uh, half full or half empty. I mean, um, in, on, on one level, clearly there's a lot of anti-tax sentiment in the, in the Arkansas electorate. So that, and it's, it's big and it, it is uh, somewhat sustained even when you ask a follow-up. That said, when you put together those who have concerns from the get-go about this policy with those uh, who support it initially but then are put, peeled off because of the concerns about other taxes or cuts to services, then that is a working majority uh, on the other side. And so uh, ultimately, like any good public pol uh, policy debate, it's going to be which side has the most resources and most effectively uh, argues their point, and I think that um, I think it's a it's a close call right now uh, where where Arkansas is going. But I do think as the costs of a policy change like this become more obvious and more personal, because individuals will be start having key services that are important in their lives um, eliminated or partly eliminated as a result of a policy change like this, then I think it probably gets to be more real and and the, the opposition the. Uh, grows as much as folks like it on its face. Right now, it's a pretty good issue to hang your hat on if you're running for office, though, isn't it, Robert? I, I think it's a good issue to hang your hat on if you're living in a soundbite. And I think that, you know, there's candidates that, I mean, a wide range of them. And that doesn't mean they truly don't believe that it's the right call for the state because they very pro probably do. I think that in a soundbite, you know, abolishing the income tax and looking at neighbors in Tennessee and Texas where they don't have an income tax. I mean, those states demonstrate that it can be done. But I think um, really the, the actual decision to do that is going to have some sort of you know, consequence for the state, whether that's a you know, significant reduction in spending, uh, revenue being generated through some other tax vehicle. Um, some would argue with some growth. I, obviously, I don't think you can get all of that back just given the percentage of our overall budget that the income tax makes up or some combination of, of tax increases and revenue revenue uh, reductions uh, or spending reductions. You know, I think this, this kind of question is kind of like, hey, would you like a free pizza? I mean, most people are going to say, sure, I'd like a free pizza. But if you ask them, well, if you take the free pizza, you got to pay me six bucks a month for the rest of the year, they might not want the free pizza anymore. Those are two of our political contributors, Dr. Jay Barth and Robert Kuhn, offering analysis of the latest talk, business, and politics Hendricks College poll. We've got that interview up at our website, plus multiple stories analyzing the results 
You can find it all at talkbusiness.net. One more banking note before we go. A new bank is operating in the Washington County market. Century Bank of the Ozarks opened a loan production office in downtown Fayetteville in August, led by former Great Southern Bank loan officer Alex Martin. Century Bank is based in Gainesville, Missouri, and has about $240 million in assets. And if you're keeping score, that will be in even 30 banks now doing business in Washington County. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. So I am calling on Timothy Dennis to help us plan our weekend with live music. Timothy, can you help us out? I can help out a little bit. Let's start with this evening. Turnbow Park in Springdale is going to have the latest in the Live at Turnbow series. This week, they're featuring Little Ye, Neon Flight, and the Dan Hicks Band. Kind of an evening of Latin hip-hop and rock and roll. And that's tonight. That's tonight. It begins at 6 p.m. but goes until about 9, 9.30, I believe. Again, that's at Turnbow Park in downtown Springdale. Getting underway this evening but going through the weekend is the annual Hillberry Festival at the farm in Eureka Springs. Right. Uh, last Friday, I believe, Rhonda Dillard gave away some KUAF winners to that. Correct. This year, they're featuring Railroad Earth, Leftover Salmon, Arkansas, and many, many other bands. Oh, I'm paralyzed by your pair of eyes, and it's been a while since I've seen your smile, baby. I can't wait, no, I will not hesitate, cause it's been a minute since I've been up in it. One day passes for Hillberries start at $60, and of course they go up from there depending on how many days. Uh, and again, that runs from tonight through Sunday at the farm in Eureka Springs. Moving forward to tomorrow, Kingfish and Fayetteville is going to have an evening of 90s rock and roll with the band Marsha Brady. <laughs> I like that name. I do too. It's, it's very catchy. That show with Marsha Brady at Kingfish gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow evening. Maureen McCormick, right? Isn't that who played Marsha? The original Marsha Brady. Yes, and then somebody else did it in the movies. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Moving on, Fred Hickory Inn in Bentonville is going to have Candy Lee on stage. I hate the way that you do laundry. You shrink my clothes and you wrinkle them to hell, but that's okay. Because at least you try And there are many other things that you do well uh, That show at Fred's Hickory Inn gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's in Bentonville. Over in Rogers, Moonbrock is going to have Jenna and Friends on stage. Jenna, of course, of Jenna Melnicki, Jenna and the Soul Shakers. Right. Uh, if you would like to see her twice this weekend, her and Tony Alvarez will be on stage at the Gravel Bar Sunday afternoon beginning at 4 p.m. That's in Eureka Springs. Correct. Speaking of the Gravel Bar, Friday night they're going to have the Whistling Hounds on stage. They're a local folk Americana band. I like the name. I like that name too. I do too. We don't know where we're going. 
that show at the Gravel Bar Friday night gets underway at 7 o'clock. Down on Fort Smith tomorrow night, Temple Live is going to have Charles Wesley Godwin on stage. He's more of an Americana country artist. It's been a few years now since I felt an urge to roam. I've been living at the hollow, watching my children grow. Tickets for that show start at $15. That'll get underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Moving on to Saturday evening, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Tanner Usry on stage. Probably won't be the last time either. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah. If you don't know who Tanner is, he plays country and Americana music. Tickets for that are twelve dollars in advance. They go up to fifteen dollars on Saturday. That is set to get underway at about eight thirty Saturday evening. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Happening throughout the day Saturday up in Springdale is the Arkansas Fest. This is going to be amazing. Uh, great live music, great dancing. There's a parade even. Yeah, it seems like a huge, I mean, Fest seems to be the understated part of that whole name. Yeah. Uh, again, they will feature salsa music and performances throughout the afternoon. That gets underway at about 1130 Saturday at Shiloh Square in Springdale. Happening up in Bentonville Saturday, the Museum of Native American History is going to have Lauren Nicole Clare perform. She is a great pianist. She's a curator of the Emmy-nominated The Allie Lauren Project. Oh, wow. That will get underway at 6.30 p.m. Saturday at the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville. It is free, but registration is required for in-person attendance. Sure. Then at Rail Yard Live in Rogers, good friend of Ozarks at Large, Willie Carlisle is going to perform. I'm as free a little bird as I can be. I'm as free a little bird as I can be. I'm going to build my house in that weeping willow tree where them bad boys can't bother me. I won't build my nest in the ground. I won't build my nest in the ground. Was just talking to someone the other night about how great Willie Carlisle is. He's, he's been working on a new album for a little while. It's still got a ways to go before it's out, but uh, look forward for that. Uh, his show, Saturday Evening in Rogers, gets underway at 8 o'clock, and that's at Rail Yard Live in downtown Rogers. Moving over to Eureka Springs Saturday evening, Got a Hole Brewing is going to have State House Electric on stage. Been from Tucson to Tucumcari, had your peels on the ball, traveling every kind of wreck that's ever been made. Driven the back road so I wouldn't get away. We've had them on the show. We have. And if you haven't seen them in a while, they are more electric than they were previously. Electric guitars, electric bass, drums, sometimes even mandolin. It's it's a good time. 
Uh, they should call themselves State House Acoustic now, just to <laughs> screw with people. I don't know if that's the feeling they're going for, though. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, that show at God Hole Brewing gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening. Okay, jumping ahead to Sunday, it's time for the annual Shelter Jam at George's Majestic Lounge. Yep, that's a good, that, that's a fun day. It benefits Seven Hills Homeless Shelter. This year, they're featuring music from Hot Tamale Sam, Jeremiah and the Band, Earl and Them, and Funk Factory. By the way, Earl and Them, great new album, great new CD. Okay. Check it out. I will. Yeah. Uh, tickets for the Shelter Jam this year are $15. That'll get underway at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Sunday at George's in Fayetteville. I'm betting if you pay more than $15, they'll be okay with it. Probably so. Again, proceeds going towards Seven Hills Homeless Shelter. And jumping ahead to Wednesday, I know at least one KUAF staff member is probably excited about this show. Dave Matthews Band is going to be at the Walmart Amp in Rogers. I got nothing against Dave Matthews. I don't think I'll be there. I don't think I will be either. I, if, you know, if this were, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, Timothy talking, I would definitely be there, but you know, things being what they are right now, I'm okay with missing this one. Uh, If you do want to go lawn tickets, start at 4950. That'll get underway at 730 Wednesday evening. Again, that's at the Walmart amp in Rogers. And it's a huge get for the Walmart. Act. Yeah, yeah. And this was a postponed show from last year. It's not the first time they've played there, but it still should be a good show nonetheless. And that'll do us for the next several days. Timothy Dennis does this for us every Thursday. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Kyle. The Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit is October 17th through the 20th at Record Downtown in Bentonville. Virtual and in-person attendance options are available. Presenters include Jerry Geisler of Walmart and Keith Mercier from Microsoft. The Tech Summit is committed to inclusivity. Complimentary access for educators, students, and entrepreneurs is available. NWATechSummit.com for tickets and more. Support for KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, offering mini and large pumpkins, ornamental squash, and corn stalks, as well as mums for fall decorating. WestwoodGardens.com for more information. This is Ozarks at Large. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, more than six feet away, is Sherry Otaviano, who is the membership director at KUAF. Welcome back. Thank you. How was September for you? It was good. It was exciting. (laughs) It was busy. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But one more time, thanks to everyone who contributed in September. Absolutely. Uh, we, We can't do what we do without the people who support this station. And one of those contributors in September is going to be our KUAF winner for the month. I'm so excited to announce that Susan Davis of Fayetteville uh, will be uh, receiving our uh, thank you and have a night out on us gift package. It'll be a couple of movie passes and dinner to Mockingbird. Oh, dandy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all you had to do to be eligible, all you had to do was just contribute in September. Exactly. We're going to do this again at the beginning of November, aren't we? That's correct. <laughs> it's confusing, <laughs> but yes, that's correct. So uh, anybody who contributed in September was, um, there was one person was randomly selected out of that entire group, and Susan was our lucky winner. And also last month, since you and I last talked, we had the winner for um, the person who filled out the KUAF survey. Exactly. Um, 
I can't remember the name, but they put a picture on Twitter of everything they had won, and they said, "Oh, that's that's great." Yeah, and, I've already forgotten too. But it was a uh, uh, one of our listeners out of Fort Smith, right? And had on a dining room table all the different things: the koozies, the shirts, the posters, and and so uh, yeah, we give some. Yeah, yeah, we do. All right, uh, it's October, so I'm going to ask you a question you weren't prepared for. What's that? What's your favorite scary movie? Oh gosh, um, how, uh, Amityville Horror. Ooh, I can't watch that one. That's a little too scary. <laughs> That's back in the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sherry Ottaviano is membership director at KUAF. You make her smile when you contribute to the radio station. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Pinceladas for Bassoon and Piano by Cuban composer Tania Leon, interpreted by Nancy Belmont and Mika Sasaki. Tania Leon, born in Havana, Cuba, is highly regarded as a composer, conductor, educator, and advisor to arts organizations. In 2021, her orchestral work Stride, commissioned by the New York Philharmonic, was awarded the Pulitzer Prize in Music. The title of this piece, Pinceladas, refers to the different brush painting techniques in visual arts, from the freedom of freehand brush strokes to the use of dots to create shapes and everything in between, in this piece, time is a canvas for you to imagine colors and create outlines. Thank you. 
That was bassoonist Nancy Belmont and pianist Mika Sasaki interpreting Pinceladas by Cuban composer Tania Leon. Latin Grammy-nominated Gabriela Ortiz is one of the most important voices in Mexico today. Ortiz's music combines her classical training and classical traditions with folk music, jazz, improvisation, and many other expressions of her own voice and of Latinidad. Mexican composer Gabriel Ortiz wrote Altar de Muertos in 1997 for the Kronos Quartet, inspired by the Mexican Day of the Dead festivities. This piece celebrates the duality between life and death, the real and the magic, past and present, and the other many dualities present in her culture. Kronos Quartet interpreting an excerpt from Altar de Muertos by Mexican composer Gabriela Ortiz. September 15 to October 15 is Hispanic Heritage Month in the United States, a month to celebrate the histories, cultures, and contributions of all Latin American people and traditions. We are closing Sound Perimeter today with singer-songwriter Silvana Estrada, from Veracruz, Mexico, accompanied in this song with her signature Venezuelan cuatro, a kind of guitar with four strings. Her song is titled Carta. Propongo mirarnos lento y hacer de la piel hogar, 
fugarnos a cielo abierto, rehacer nuestra idea del mar, volver a inventar el tiempo, dejar las armas en paz, dar sentido al movimiento de un paso que no va atrás. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. See you next week. Yo sé que seguro encuentras un beso que sepa igual a mis labios que ahora te nombran que vistos para no afrontar que yo te propongo un trato porque ya no puedo más con este constante intento de huir para regresar propongo mirarnos lento y hacer de las pies el hogar fugarnos a cielo abierto y rehacer nuestra idea del mal volver a inventar el tiempo dejar las armas en paz dar sentido al movimiento de un paso que no va atrás y puede que eso sea cierto y un día también miré que el amor no de un siglo The annual Hot Springs Documentary Film Festival begins tomorrow. It's the 30th anniversary. There will be in-person events this year. Most documentaries will have at least one screening either at the Malco Theater in Hot Springs or at the Arlington Hotel. They'll also be available virtually. Festival Executive Director Jennifer Gerber says returning to in-person screenings was important. You know, when you're when you're making your film, you're not imagining people watching it on a laptop or on their phone. You're imagining them seeing it in a theater and you make your film for your audience. You want to hear them react. You want to see them react. Um, it's designed for them to have an emotional experience with the story. So, you know, that's been detached for the last year and a half for filmmakers. And many filmmakers haven't yet to even show, have a chance to show their film in, in a physical theater since COVID. This year, the festival will feature 35 documentaries, including some Arkansas-related films like A Good Campaign and Broken Wings. Another, Gerber says focuses on a hot springs landmark. I certainly think one of the most talked about films this festival is going to be Forever Majestic, which is by Michael Schwartz. It's his first feature, and it's about one of the most talked about properties in, I would argue, Arkansas, but for cer certainly within the state, within Hot Springs, of the Majestic Hotel. And so it shows incredible history of Hot Springs, of the hotel itself, a lot of the culture, and also follows just the progression of of that building and all that has gone around around it. In-person attendees will be required to either present proof of vaccination for COVID-19 or a negative test result from the previous 48 hours. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, providing in-office ketamine infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, ketamine therapy is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. DRWongKetamine.com for more information. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, the first ever regional visual arts exhibition at Walton Art Center yields a stunning array of talent. We'll find out more. Plus, the talented Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics helps us review the week's news and more. A Friday edition of Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 on KUAF and 
streaming through the KUAF app. This week on Science Friday, a COVID update, including Merck's new anti-COVID pill. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the drug. Plus the history of air conditioning. This was the first time in human history that the average person for the price of a movie ticket could go somewhere and become cool. On the next Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Science Friday, tomorrow afternoon from 1 to 3 on KUAF and available streaming on the KUAF app and at KUAF.com. Congratulations to the University of Arkansas golf teams. Frankly, it's easier to tell you what they didn't win at the Blessings Collegiate Invitational in Fayetteville this week than what they did. They won everything. The men's title, the women's title, the men's individual title, the women's individual title. Congratulations. This is KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Decatur. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. He also produced today's edition of Sound Perimeter. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, who gave us information about the Crisis Stabilization Unit, Leah Rebate, and Timothy Dennis. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling, produced by Stephanie Brock. Our theme, written and performed by Daryl Sean. It's titled, The First Hurrah. Additional material for today's show provided by the hardworking news staff at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and all of Central Arkansas. Thanks to KUAF membership director Sherry Ottaviano for participating in our show today. Thank you for participating by listening. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums.